Bibles, turn to First Timothy or First Samuel, not First Timothy. First Samuel, chapter seventeen. I want to look at the life of David today. And you know, I, I was thinking, Lord, tomorrow's um, what is it? Valentine's Day. <laughs> And um, I'm thinking, here we're going to talk about blood and guts and all this kind of stuff. But then I got to thinking, David was a man after God's own heart. And that's what it's all about, is having a heart for God. But I want us to see today, in particular, how God prepared a man that made a difference in his generation. And um, so... As we're standing there, I'm just going to read the first couple verses here to get us the setting. In first Tim or first, I don't know why I want to say first Timothy, first Samuel chapter 17, verse 1. Now the Philistines gathered together their armies to battle, and were gathered together in Shokah, which belongeth to Judah, and pitched between Sokah and Azekah. And I'm not going to even try to pronounce that third one. In Esphazadam. I like what D.L. Moody always used to do. He would stop and pause, and then he would skip those words and keep reading. So, verse 2. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and pitched in the valley of Elah and set the battle in array against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on a mountain on the one side and Israel stood on the mountain on the other side, and there was a valley between them. And there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. And he had a helmet of brass upon his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, and the, the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of brass. And he had greaves of brass upon his legs and a target of brass upon his shoulders. And the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam. And his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron. And one bearing a shield went before him. And he stood and cried unto the armies of Israel, and said unto them, Why are ye come out to set your battle in array? Am not I a Philistine, and ye servants to Saul? Choose you a man for you, and let him come down to me. Father, we come to you today, and we realize this is a story that so many times we've heard, and so many principles and truths in this story. But Lord, here was a man who stood against you, stood against the armies of Israel, and yet you raised up a young man, David. And Lord, you prepared him for this very moment when he would face this giant. Lord, I pray today that you would speak to our hearts. And that we would understand the truths that you have given to us here, that we might realize the importance of preparation. And we'll give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. 
Amen. You may be seated. December 7th, 1941, Pearl Harbor was tacked suddenly and by surprise, and America was thrust into World War II. Great fear and shock hit our nation and the awareness that we were unprepared for war. There was an atmosphere of gloom and defeat because not only was Pearl Harbor attacked, but the Philippines, Wake Island, and many other places where we had had troops. And uh, the invasion began and we entered the war. During that time, there was a lot of bleakness and defeatism. President Roosevelt um, was wanting to do something to boost the morale, not just of the military, but for the whole nation. A submarine captain came up with an idea and presented it. It was presented to the president, and he liked it. That particular event is called the Doolittle Raid. But what was amazing about this is that there was much preparation. And in the preparation, first of all, they were all volunteers. And when they came to uh, Florida where they were going to start their training, they weren't told much. They weren't told what the mission was. They weren't told where they were going. All they knew is that they had to learn how to fly a B-25 bomber and had to learn to take off in less than 600 feet they had to learn to fly at levels of 100 feet above the surface of the, of the ocean and land. And their preparation went on for several months. Finally, they transferred to California where they loaded B-25 bombers onto an aircraft carrier and set sail towards Japan. One of the most daring missions that was ever occurred in World War II was flying B-25 bombers off of aircraft carriers, never been done before or since, and then crash landing them in China after they bombed Japan. Many thought that, including Doolittle, that the whole mission was a failure. When he went out to the rice paddies where his plane had demolished the night before and looked at all of the trashed parts laying everywhere, he thought for sure he would go back to America and either be shot or he would be uh, demoted because he had failed in his mission. Quite the contrary. It boosted the morale of America. It changed the whole strategy of the Japanese Navy. And for the rest of the war, they had to keep part of their Navy always near the main island in Tokyo to protect that region. And so, a lot of effects. But it all started with preparation. That's what Bible college is all about, preparation. You're here to prepare. I always get a little nervous when Kids say, man, I'm, I want to get out in three years. I want to get out there. And I know you want to get out there. In fact, we're going to see David was probably chomping at the bit to be on the battlefield. 
but don't ever shortchange the preparation. Now, as we look at David's life here, we're going to see five qualities and five things that God did to prepare him to face Goliath on the battlefield. First of all, David learned how to wait on God. When you go back to 1 Samuel chapter 13 and verse 14, it says, Now, but now thy kingdom, talking to Saul, Samuel's telling Saul, shall not continue. The Lord hath sought him a man after his own heart. And the Lord hath commanded him to be captain over his people, because thou hast not kept that which the Lord commanded thee. When we look at David's life, first of all, we see that David had a heart after God. And he developed that heart in the waiting period. Part of Bible college is to develop your heart for God. It's a time to learn how to, in a, in a pressured situation and in a situation where you've uh, got a busy schedule, to still carve out time to spend alone with God. And to, and to be drawn to him and let him work in your heart and your life. And we see this in David's life. By the way, David never knew what he was being prepared for. He just loved God and wanted to spend time with him. But then you go over to chapter 16. And in chapter 16, David was anointed king of Israel. And it was done somewhat secretive. In fact, Samuel was nervous. He was afraid that Saul might get word and, and uh, do something. And so God said, you go down and just tell Jesse you're coming down to offer sacrifices. And when we look at verse 11, it says, and, and Samuel said unto Jesse, are here all thy children? In fact, he brought, Jesse brought all of his, his firstborn son and all of his, his older sons, and he brought seven of the eight sons before Samuel. And, of course, when he first saw um, David's oldest brother, he thought, oh, man, this is the Lord's. This has got to be the Lord's. And God reminded Samuel, Samuel, don't look on the outward appearance. But look at the heart. And so Samuel says to Jesse, are here all thy children? And he said, well, there remaineth yet the youngest, and behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him, for, he, he w- for we will not sit down till he come hither. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and with a beautiful countenance and a, and, and a goodly to look to. In other words, he was good looking. And uh, the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil, anointed him in the in the midst of his brethren, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose and went to Ramah. Now, as we first look at this, understand David is anointed king when he's probably 15 or 16 years old. But he didn't become king right away. Look, God called some of you when you were teenagers 
Some called, God led you to come to West Coast Baptist College. God may have called you into the ministry. God may have called you to mission field. God may have called you to be a pastor. God may have called you to be in Christian education. And we could go on and on. But God has called you, but that doesn't mean you're ready the day you're called to go out and start. David didn't become king for several years. And young people, don't shortchange your education here at West Coast. I get, I get nervous when kids want to leave after they've been here three years, or I'm going to go home and I'm going to finish online and all, all that. And that's fine. I understand sometimes circumstances may have, you may have to do that. But if I was you, I would stick it out all four years. Because God wants to teach you something here. God has something for you. And it's not just in the classroom. Sometimes God's teaching you things through your roommates. Sometimes God's teaching you things through your Christian service. Sometimes God's teaching you through your finances. All of those things. But you've got to learn to wait on God and let his timing work it out. Finish what God has called you to do in preparation for what God's called you to do. And so David had to learn to wait. And God was teaching him to wait. And oh boy, some of the lessons he had to learn. Remember, that's when he had to flee from Saul. I mean, Saul tried to kill him. Saul thought, okay, I'll get rid of him. I'll tell him to go down and, you know, get me 200 Philistines and kill him and show me that you, that you uh, killed him and I'll give you my, my daughter to marry. Well, he figured, that'll take care of him, man. They'll kill him. And David came back, gave him the trophies to show that he had killed 200 Philistines, and now Saul's, he's in Saul's family. And pretty soon, Saul tried to kill him. And Saul's chasing him. And all through that time, God was teaching David. Read his Psalms that he wrote while he was in the wilderness. All the things that he learned about his God. All the things he learned about how there was a step between him and death at any time, and yet God sustained him during that time. And so we see that he had to learn to wait. But secondly, David had to learn submission to authority. Submission to authority. First of all, he learned to serve under authority. In uh, 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 21, it says, And David came to Saul, and he stood before him, and he loved him greatly, and he became his armor-bearer. And Saul sent to Jesse, saying, Let David, I pray thee, stand before me, for he hath found favor in my sight. And it came to pass, when the evil spirit from God was upon Saul, that David took an harp and played with his hand. So Saul was refreshed and was well, and the evil spirit departed from him. You know, it's interesting that before God ever made David a king, he first made him a servant. He first put him in a position to serve. Now, our, our, one of our themes here, and one of the things that we try to get across to you is servant leadership. Because the ministry is serving. And David had to learn how to serve before he could learn how to lead. And when David did lead, he led like a servant. He served his people. And so we see that he's learning this whole principle of submission to authority. 
Not only did he learn and, and was in submission to his father, but he also was in submission to Saul. In fact, even when Saul was trying to kill him, he refused to touch him, even when he had opportunity to kill him. He refrained. He said, I'm not touching God's anointed. Uh-uh. I'm a servant. I'm not the king yet. When God wants to make me king, he'll make me king. But until then, he was, he was loyal to Saul, even when Saul was trying to kill him. Secondly, he learned to obey authority. Now, in chapter 17, the battle is set in array. We read about that. And for really, for 40 days, this champion comes out and challenges the armies of Israel. Come on, send me a man. If I lose, we'll be your servants. If you lose, you'll be our servants. And nobody for 40 days. By the way, David's three older brothers were there. They never volunteered. Saul was the biggest man in the army, the tallest man. He never volunteered. They were frozen with fear. Now, here's David. And in chapter 17, verse 14, it says, And David was the youngest, and the three eldest followed Saul. But David went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep in Bethlehem. Let me tell you what learning how to obey authority is. It's learning responsibility. David became responsible, and he learned responsibility by obeying the authorities in his life. Look, you were all given a syllabus from your classes. You're supposed to obey what the syllabus says to do. You say, but Brother Hawk, there's so much to do. Yeah, but how are you going to learn responsibility? you got to learn to have the discipline to go sit in the library at night and study and work and work on your projects rather than being down at the gym shooting hoop. Now, there's a time for recreation, but when you know you've got things you need to do, that's what responsible people will do. They take care of the responsibilities first. Now, I bet David, I bet any money David would have wanted to be at that battle. David had a soldier's heart. But yet, he obeyed his father, and he went to tend to the sheep. So he's back doing what he was doing before. I mean, remember, he was in the palace. He was, he was Saul's armor bearer. But when it came time to go to battle, he wasn't old enough to go. So Saul sent him back home. He gets home. His dad says, you know the routine. So he's back out tending the sheep. Never says he complained. None of that. But I want you to see the second thing as we look at this. He kept the sheep, but his father trusted him because he was obedient and submissive to his authority. Look at verses 16 through 18. And the Philistine drew near morning and evening and presented himself 40 days. And Jesse said unto David his son, Take now for thy brethren an ephah of this parched corn and these ten loaves, and run to the camp of thy, to thy brethren, and carry these ten cheeses unto the captain of their thousand, 
and look how thy brethren fare and take their pledge. Now, David's father, probably maybe stirred by the Holy Spirit, says, David, tomorrow I want you to get some supplies and I want you to take them up to the front lines and see how your brothers are doing, see how the battle's going. And by the way, responsibility and learning to be submissive means you trust authority. And because David believed and trusted his father, he was there at that moment when God directed his father to move him to the front line. Wow. Could you imagine if David had an attitude and said, I'm tired of keeping these stupid sheep. And said, I'm going on vacation. And left and didn't tell his dad. He would have missed the moment God had prepared him for. Because he quit or he got discouraged or he just didn't make sense that he had to keep taking care of these sheep when there's a battle going on. But then notice something else here. He made sure he had someone to keep the sheep while he was gone. This becomes important later. Verse 20, it says, And David rose up early in the morning and left the sheep with a keeper and took and went as Jesse had commanded him, and he came to the trench as the host was going forth to the fight and shouted for the battle. So here in verse 20, David, before he left, he made sure he had somebody to take care of those sheep. In other words, he didn't say, hey, well, I finally got a promotion here. Forget that other job. No, he made sure somebody was tending those sheep. Just because you are given one responsibility doesn't mean you neglect the responsibilities you already have. That's what David was being taught. That's what David was learning. Is that, hey... I may have multiple responsibilities. Just because you got to get to class doesn't mean you don't make your bed and clean your room before you go. Those are two responsibilities you have. And sometimes some of you come late because you didn't do the first responsibility. And so he, he showed his responsibility there. And then notice in verse 22, he made sure his supplies were cared for. I mean, he got there, and in verse 22, it says, And David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage, and ran into the army and came and saluted his brethren. In other words, David made sure somebody was caring for his father's mule or his father's horse and the carriage that he was in, the little wagon, and then he went to the battlefront. You think about that. All along the way in his life, he had been taught responsibility. By the way, when you become a king of a nation, you have a huge responsibility. But if you're not faithful over the small responsibilities you have now, how are you going to be faithful over the large responsibilities you may have later? Before Pastor Chapel ever pastored Lancaster Baptist Church, he didn't come to a church of 4,000 people. He came to a church of 12 members. But he did, he does then, he did then what he does now. He went out soul winning. He ministered to the people. He had people into his home. He, he served 
God's people. He led people to Christ. People got saved. The church grew. But it started with the small responsibilities. And so did David. The third thing we see is this. David learned to be tenacious. In other words, David didn't quit when things got tough. Some of you just need to get some grit. And you need to just say, you know what? I'm going to gut this thing out. And I'm going to be honest with you. Middle of the semester, even the first of the semester, some of you want to quit. Why? God called you here. You think training is going to be easy? How many times have you ever heard Dr. Getz say, hey, this is boot camp? Well, I got news for you. If you've ever been to boot camp, it's not a Sunday school picnic. And neither is preparing for the Lord's work. Because not only is God letting you go through trials and difficulties, and you're going to be challenged, and you're even going to be questioned sometimes by your own family. Is that really what God wants you to do? Why don't you go out and get a good education and make money? Fine, go make money. It all burns up. You're not taking a U-Haul behind your hearse when you go to the graveyard. Who cares about that? Man, if you've been called to the ministry, that's the greatest calling in life. Who cares about the money? Now, here's the thing. (laughs) David learned to be tenacious. Verse 22 through 24, he comes to to the trenches. And verse 23 says, And as he talked with them, behold, there came up the champion." (laughs) the Philistine of Gath, Goliath, by name, and out of the armies of the Philistines, and spake according to the same words, and David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were sore afraid. And then David turns and says, who's going to stop this loud mouth? He's defying the armies of the living God. Who's going to stop him? They said, David, didn't you see him? Yeah, I saw him. Who's going to stop him? What's going to happen to him that stops him? Well, you'll be tax-free. You get one of, the, one of the daughters of Saul. He thought, well, that's a pretty good thing. He had his eye on Michael. She was pretty cute, you know. But it was more than that. David was upset that here is here's this giant who is hindering the work of God and the servants of God and on top of it making fun of them and blaspheming his God and so he he says what are we going to do well he moved forward despite criticism and misunderstanding now here comes big brother Eliab, verse 28. Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men. And Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why camest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? Notice how he's belittling his brother. I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart, for thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. And David said, What have I now done? Is there not a cause? What have you done, big brother? 
You've had 40 days. Now, I don't think David may have said that, but the implication's there. He's jealous. Now, let me tell you something. You're going to have people that are going to stand against you all the time. And a lot of times they're going to stand against you because they're jealous. Because you had the courage to do something they didn't do. But could have. Notice the accusations he makes. I know the naughtiness of your heart. You've come down here to see the battle. No, my dad told me to come to see how you were doing, big brother. Then he says, and who did you leave all those little sheepies to? You probably just left them out in the wilderness. No, he got somebody to care for him. That's probably why God chose him to be king and not his brother Eliab. Eliab has excuses. David has a plan. So we see that he was responsible. He learned how to obey those in authority. And he learned how to overcome those that were trying to hinder him. Look, you're going to always have critics you're going to have critics if you don't do anything for God. You're going to have critics if you're going to do something for God. So you might as well do something for God and have those kind of critics. Now, look at the fourth thing. David had been prepared by God for this moment. Verse 33. Well, word got up to GQ. or GHQ, General Headquarters. Saul's there. He said, Saul, there's some guy down there in the trenches. And he says he's, going, he's willing to go out and fight Goliath. He says, well, bring him up. And sure enough, here comes David. He walks in, and Saul says, David, what are you doing here? Where's the guy who's going to fight Goliath? He says, you're looking at him, sire. You? <laughs> I love this. I mean, everybody's afraid. If you look at verse 31, it says, when the words were heard, uh, which David had spoke, he, they rehearsed them to Saul. David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him, for thy servant will go out, will go fight with this Philistine. And Saul says, verse 33, Saul says, um, David... Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight him. For thou art but a youth. And he a man of war from his youth. And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep. And there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth when he arose against me, I caught him by the beard, that means under the chin, and smote him and slew him. Go ahead, take on a bear or a lion. <laughs> you talk about preparation. Good night. He smote him. And then he says this. He says, Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defiled the armies of the living God. <laughs> David says, 
<laughs> God used me to kill the lion and the bear and to protect those sheep. <clears throat> he says, same thing's going to happen to that Philistine. Now, some of you are going to say, man, David was kind of cocky, wasn't he? No. He just knew what God had prepared him to do, and he was ready. Now, we'll see in a minute. There's another reason why he was ready. It wasn't just because he had developed his skills, but let me say this. All of you have skills that God wants to develop in your life. Some of you that are majoring in music, you've got instruments that you're trying to, to uh, master and, and your voice and all of that. Some of you young men, you're learning how to preach. Ladies and men, you're learning how to teach. You're learning all these skills. You're developing these skills. You're not just going to walk into a pulpit one day and everybody think, oh, there's God's gift to our church. No, you've got to be prepared. And there's nothing worse than somebody getting up and opening up the Bible and read one verse and then preach their philosophy and never touch the text again. You're not going to get sermons by going on YouTube and websites and preach some regurgitated stuff that somebody else gave that's probably not even doctrinally correct. Maybe it's time you get your face in the book and go to the text instead of texting. That's what David did. He was prepared. Why? Because he learned how to use that sling. I guarantee you, he knew how to use that sling. He practiced and practiced and practiced. And when it came time, he was know how to use that shepherd's staff, and he knew how to use that sling, and he knew how to use the shepherd's club, and he beat the fire out of that lion and that bear. He also learned to use the resources that were available to him. I wish you, some of you folks would learn how to use a library while it's available to you. Because when you graduate from here, you're not taking the library with you. So learn how to use it now. Amen? Brother Hawk, that's, that's a bad application. Why? That's your tools for the work of the ministry. Hey, you know how to use them? You know how to study the Word of God? Do you know how to get answers and find the things you need to find for your sermons or your lessons or whatever? David learned how to use it, and he learned how to use what was available to him. In verse 50, this is after he defeated Goliath, it says, So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and smote the Philistine and slew him, but there was no sword in the hand of David. David didn't, by the way, Saul offered him his armor. Now Saul was a big guy. I don't know how big David was, but can you imagine here, he's off, Saul's offering him his armor, he says, no, nah, I can't use it. I mean, he put it on, he put his helmet on, he probably turned and the helmet didn't turn with him. I don't know. He says, you know what? I gotta use what, what God has used in the past. But you know, if he hadn't prepared he wouldn't know that he could use those weapons. And so we see David, 
He was prepared because he practiced. He, 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 he took the time when he was out tending those sheep to develop his walk with God and to develop the skills and the talents and the abilities that God needed him to develop so he could use him in the position that he would one day be. But the last thing, and this is probably the most important thing, David learned to trust God, not himself. Look at verse 37. He's telling him about how he he slew the lion and the bear, but then he says this, and David said, Moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with thee. David recognized he did not, in his own skills and ability, defeat the lion and the bear, but through God's power, he defeated the lion and the bear. And he says, just as God delivered me out of the paw of the lion and the bear, he's going to deliver me out of this Philistine's hand also. He was a man that had developed a faith walk with God. And he knew his God would come through. Man, I love this next part. So they send David out. Now you can imagine, here's all the Philistines up there, the generals that got their binoculars out there and they're looking and they, they said, hey, the, the Israelites are gonna send a man out to fight David or to fight Goliath. They said, where is he? And they got those binoculars out and he says, I don't see anybody out there with uniforms or anything. I don't see anybody with armor. There's some kid standing out there putting stones in his pocket got some shepherd's coat on. He's the one? They probably started laughing. And then Goliath, when Goliath sees David, he's insulted. He says, you've had 40 days and this is the best you can do? What am I, some dog that you send out some punk kid? (laughs) I love what David says. Then said David to the Philistine, because he said, come on over here, son. I'll cut your head off and feed you to the vultures. And David said to the Philistine, thou comest to me with a sword, with a spear, with a shield. But I got news for you, Goliath. I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. This day the Lord will deliver thee into my hand, and I will smite thee and take thine head from thee. And I will give the carcasses to, of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts. Prepare to meet thy God. Now, David said all that. I imagine he's under his breath saying, Lord, I don't know why you had me say that, but if you're not in this sling and you're not in this rock... I'm in big trouble. And it says he ran towards him, swinging that, that sling, and he lets it go. And that rock about the size of a golf ball crashed right here in his cranium. And the last thought that Goliath may have had is that never entered my mind before. And boom, down he went. Now, I don't know if the stone killed him. I think he did. 
But then he doesn't have a sword. Because he said, I'm going to take your head off. So what does he do? He gets Goliath's sword. I mean, the thing was probably as big as him. And he takes that thing up, and he comes over, and he starts hacking on his neck. And he's busting down through that. And finally, he gets all the way through, and he picks up the head, brain and guts falling out, eyeballs all, you know, out of the sockets. And he holds it up. And then he turns to Israel and says, Go get them, boys! Now, those Philistine generals, they're looking and saying, look, when they send out their kindergartners to fight our Goliath, we better call it a day. <laughs> Why did he have the victory? Because he was prepared. Do you want to make a difference in your generation? Do you want to make a difference through God using your life? Then you need to prepare. You need to learn how to wait. You need to learn submission to authority. Look, some of you, you buck every rule that anybody ever gives. You probably bucked your parents' rules. Now you come to West Coast and you buck the rules at West Coast. You say, well, they just don't make sense to me. They don't have to make sense to you. Just learn how to obey authority. Learn how to submit. Because one day, you're going to make some stupid rules too. That you're going to want somebody to follow. But you reap what you sow. You got to learn how to submit to authority. You got to learn how to obey. You got to learn not to quit. I hate to say it, but we've we got so many mamby-pamby young people in this country. And I don't mean you necessarily. But we got a bunch of mamby-pandy people. Did you guys just say the right words to them? You know, we have parents that coddle their children. You know, it used to be when you'd go in, when, if I was in trouble and my mom came into the school, I was in big trouble. And when my kids came home and they got demerits, they were in big trouble. I didn't go down to the school and argue with them, say, well, my child's so good, he would never do that. And that's how some of you maybe were coddled. Stop being coddled and just man up and woman up and do what God wants you to do. We need some young men and women who will take courage and stand in their generation. That's what David did. Are you letting God prepare you this morning? Are you trusting him this morning for everything? Our theme this year, Alive in Christ. That simply is letting God have your life and trust him that what he's going to do is the best for you. And believe me, it is. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. I don't know where you're at this morning. Maybe you're